Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Productive Nation Podcast. My name is Adam and our guest today is Martin Vanellest. Brother Martin is the founder of Muslim Fit. He is vitality coach and personal trainer. And in this episode, we are going to talk about what vitality coach is. And we will also hear some tips how to prepare for Ramadan. Stay tuned. Assalamu alaikum, brother Martin, and welcome. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure, and uh, I am super excited about our conversation. And I would like to thank you first by taking the time out. Yeah, no problem. And secondly, I want to thank my brother Norman from the Fit Muslims because he is the one who, firstly, he spoke highly about you, and secondly, he said, you need to connect with the Martin. <laughs> yeah. And it was a while ago. So, mashallah, may Allah bless him. Amen. Amen. So, brother, you are from Netherlands, Rotterdam. Yeah, true. Born how, and raised. How is it like in Rotterdam? Alhamdulillah, it's quite nice because um, we have quite a significant Muslim uh, community here in the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think if you look at all the major cities, Rotterdam doesn't only have one of the biggest Muslim, but also the, the best organized. As in uh, a lot of good mosques, uh, teachings, but also local businesses like restaurants, halal food options wow. and stuff. So we're really fortunate here in, in uh, Rotterdam compared to the rest of the Netherlands. Wow. Some people might disagree with <laughs> That's good to hear. I've never been in there. I, I guess I've been once in Netherlands and it was a long time ago. All I know is Amsterdam, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite, you know, Amsterdam is, is the tourist location for the wrong yeah. reasons. Yeah. So if you want to visit the Netherlands, um, for, to visit the Muslims, go to Rotterdam and maybe visit the Hague for some cultural stuff in Utrecht. But we also always call uh, Amsterdam Haar Amsterdam. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stay away from there. Yeah, yes, yes, I know. The reason I know Amsterdam is not the it's not the culture. <laughs> yeah. I know because of the you know there was a Finnish soccer player, football player called Jari Littmanen. Back in the days, he used to play in a team called Ajax. Yeah. So I know Amsterdam from there. But yeah, Amsterdam is known for many things too. <laughs> Mashallah. Tell us more about yourself. Like, what's your backstory? As you might guess from the name and my appearance, I wasn't born Muslim. Uh, I converted around seven years ago. Um, yeah, well, my background, I have a history of competitive bodybuilding. Um, and I was always into sports and also into uh, science, especially health science. Um, I started off pursuing a career uh, in the military. Looking back, alhamdulillah, uh, that never worked out and uh, before the whole story started I was accepted but because of uh, budget costs they put all the guys in uh, where in training they just uh, kicked them out of the army so uh, alhamdulillah I, I started to pursue a bachelor uh, first did a year physical therapy mm. um, I found the information that I got really interesting uh, only the profession of, a, of an uh, Physical therapist really didn't suit me, so you saw that in my motivation. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, but I got the fascination of the the human body, uh, the science behind it, anatomy and stuff. So I then made the switch to hospital care. I then like, graduated with a bachelor's as a nurse anesthetist. But during my studies, uh, also to fund my uh, because alhamdulillah, I was I married when I was twenty, so Inshallah. me and my wife are still students. Um, and I had a, day, uh, a weekend job in the gym, but it wasn't enough to, uh, yeah, to get around. So I started my own business, Muslim Fit. It was a combination of my passion for, for sports and also health. And the more I learned about health uh, and other aspects of it, the social part, the economic part, uh, the mental part, and of course, the, the physical part. Yeah, I started out as, as being Muslim fit and more like a shortage of fitness, but it turned out to be much more. And my uh, interest also broadened up much farther than just fitness and, and physical appearance. And I ended up liking my own company so much that uh, this year I decided to try to get a full-time job out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it wasn't uh, the idea first was to do work part-time in the hospital and part-time with my um, the business business because I also wanted to do a few more uh, educational courses for my own business uh, but work and somehow because of because I was uh, quite recently graduated nobody wanted to have me uh, part-time so at the moment I, I quit the hospital because it was really hard to combine with my work mm. um, and at the moment I'm being, I'm a, as a, I have a side hustle as a club manager for a big uh, fitness chain here in the Netherlands. Mashallah, that sounds very interesting. You know, yeah, I want to go, I, I go back with about your appearance. And I remember looking at your pictures and kind of, you know, I totally ignore your name because I didn't know how to pronounce. I just look at your face <laughs> and mashallah, you have a Muslim face. So if you wouldn't told me that you embraced Islam, I would never guess there's okay, something so, like yeah. I don't know. Have you noticed yourself like when some when people embrace Islam and the longer they are Muslim, the more Muslim they look. <laughs> and it's really hard <laughs> to tell. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the nur on the face, I guess, and the barakah <laughs> that comes with the din. But um, you, yeah, now that we have now, and the beard is getting really popular, so yeah. uh, it's getting harder and harder to recognize converted Muslims uh, and, and and distinguish them from uh, hipsters. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Uh, you know, I also wanted to ask, like um, you said, you had a history of bodybuilding. Did you drop that when you embraced Islam? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think there's a great lesson also in the story. Because um, you could say that that um, bodybuilding was my life. It was really important me. It important for me. It was. It shaped the way my day looked, my month looked, how I, I, I planned my school and my job, everything around it. So it was the most important thing in my life. It gave me structure and, and, and a passion to pursue. So when I converted, of course, my my iman was high at the moment, but you lack. Solidity, you know, you have you have the iman, but it's not really based on a solid foundation of knowledge, uh, logic, and also the, the deep-rooted iman. It was more like a, a fling. So do you mean also lack of wisdom? Yeah, yeah, basically, acting, yeah, wisdom but and acting just, about the knowledge. Like you said, uh, the Muslim appearance uh, somehow after a few years engraves itself. It's not like iman; it, it needs time to really embed in your heart. Mm. Yeah. So I think a really important lesson for everybody who has 
friends that are maybe doing things that are not allowed or uh, looked down upon. When I first converted, I was still doing bodybuilding. And what I really appreciate is that nobody in my friend group, uh, the guys who actively did Dawah with me, and teach me about Islam, they how to pray. They never told me in a very harsh way or aggressive way, for, ah, achi, this is haram, you need to stop this immediately because you're Muslim now. Alhamdulillah, um, they, give me the, they gave me the time to strengthen my Iman and eventually, uh, after getting more knowledge, realizing at my own pace, mm. uh, at my own time, that, uh, of course, bodybuilding is not a sport that is allowed in a competitive way, as in going yeah. on the rest of the stage. Yeah, on the stage, yeah. 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 So how, I really remember it. I was taking a shower, mm. and there was a moment that somehow, I think it was like two or three months Muslim or something. Some way, how it just clicked in my head. I think I had a thick lesson or something like, oh, this is not allowed. And I can remember that I really cried because on one hand, I was sad that I had to give up a passion of mine. Yeah. But on the other hand, I somehow had a peace with it. But mm. it's a great lesson also for myself if I see other people, maybe even Muslims pursuing bodybuilding and stuff, to mm. not be harsh and then focus on the important things like that's Iman and, and when Iman is there you can start slowly conveying the message of okay maybe this is not the most uh, suited sport for Muslims to pursue. Mm. SubhanAllah. And you also mentioned that you are passionate about health science. I have myself, I have a health science background so and nowadays I see many people are looking health as a as a resource and investment, like people are appreciating more living healthy and you, you see all of these movements that are starting and mashallah, I, I know Muslim fit, you mentioned a bit about it, it's, it's definitely important movement. SubhanAllah, I like what you do, I've seen on Facebook, I'm, I'm also on Instagram, but I'm more active on Facebook, so I've been following you on Facebook, watching your post, mashallah, can you tell bit more about how did you get started on Muslim fit? Yeah, it has been quite a journey. Um, yeah, at first I was just basically really fitness orientated because you, that's, that's funny um, to see like somehow a lot of people sometimes unconsciously they protect their own views of life and they somehow interpreted into islam as if that's the way islam should be lived when i just started out i was into bodybuilding and i was like the, the, the sign of masculinity is to be muscular to be strong physically basically i, I put the, the bodybuilding mindset and the whole culture around it i put it in the islamic jacket so i started out really promoting basically bodybuilding just getting strong big muscular and then didn't care about mental health or cardiovascular or endurance training. It was all strength training. Mm. Um, when I developed myself Islamically, so ethical thing, the ethical thinking, um, the goals of Islam, uh, the reasons why we live and what we have to achieve in this life. But also, like I told you, in the, in the medical field, I more and more came to the realization that also with my clients, because I came from a bodybuilding world, so I had a lot of people who were wanting to become a bodybuilder. Mm. Uh, but when I started to focus more on, on the commercial side of it, you also get non-bodybuilding clients. And I remember that I had a business client 
businessman and I started training him like he was a bodybuilder. So five times a day, I gave yeah. him the task to eat like a bodybuilder, so take small boxes with chicken and rice, mm. put them in. It was yeah. totally unnecessary for his goals in life because yeah. he wanted to feel good. It mm. wasn't important for him to be the biggest, strongest guy in the gym. And, and somehow in my head at first, it was unbelievable that there was something else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> wanted that if, if somebody thought, I don't need a six pack, I just be- didn't believe him. I was like, he's insecure stuff, insecure stuff about it. But the more I realized that Islam, like you said, health is a, is a tool. Mm. Uh, you need to put in service for your religion. And, and the reason why we're in this life is to serve Allah. And well, quite fr- frankly, getting big and muscular isn't an essential part of being Muslim. Mm. Um, uh, it's permissible. You can use it as entertainment. But basically, besides entertainment, especially in this day and age, we, we don't have swords anymore. And um, of course, you have Islamophobia, but how big is the chance that you have to defend yourself and if you have to defend yourself you're better off with mma than being big and muscular so mm. uh, more and more and also the, the part that comes from strength training like eating mm. a lot uh, eating mm. a lot of proteins and mostly in the forms of meat that all are all kind of things that, that kind of contradict uh, the teachings of islam and also mm. uh, it can take away time resources energy away from things that are more important if you're eating basically five six seven days at a time you consider that to be a bit extra extravagant yeah yeah it's needed if you want to, to reach a certain goal mm. um, but then you have to do this that's the part that i struggle with a lot throughout the years yeah um, and i see a lot of muslims struggle with it mm. is where do you draw the line because it's allowed in Islam to have a hobby. Yeah. Um, and it's just, of, of course, we are uh, told to eat very little, only what is necessary. But mm. also talk, uh, talks with Shuyuk about this. Mm. Um, it's really easy. Like, if you do a lot, mm. especially physically, you need more nutrition. And, and the thing is, you have to eat uh, just enough so you can get by. If you train mm. a lot, you have to eat more. So, yeah. but where do you draw the line okay where is it is this hobby mm. going above and beyond uh, mm. what is not i'm not talking about halal or haram or yeah permission but, but when are you sacrificing the sunnah for example mm. for your hobby for mm. pure leisure and, and entertainment that's so interesting this whole journey i went through and then mm. then when i developed further also looking into behavior because it's much more than just you can give somebody a, a meal schedule but how do you get somebody to follow it for not only a week 10 weeks or a month but for his entire day of his life mm. um, you get to appreciate the philosophy about behavior change the, the, the social aspect around it it's so complex but also so beautiful you see that islam has a lot of tools and it creates a beautiful framework to work within so in other years i started from muslim fit really like more a personal trainer mm. and i ended up what i call myself now is a vitality coach um, vitality coach yeah and vitality is from getting more out of life mm. uh, and that's uh, it's like a combination from, a, from with a lot of things uh, mm. it's Partly a little bit life coaching, as in, I, I, I made my own definition of health. Is health is, for Muslim, is that you are able to self-manage. So you can, you can 
choose the way you want to go in life in a physical, mental, social, and spiritual way. MashaAllah, that's interesting. Self-manage emotionally, physically, and socially. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. You know, often we hear about people investing on their health in order to, to get more productive at their work or more efficient at their business. But also, Islamically, we should invest in our health, take care of our body, so we can do and worship our Creator more, more effectively. And not, not also important, more enjoyably, you know, yeah. because some people say like your, 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 your body is just like a car, but your body isn't a car because mm. a car doesn't have feelings, uh, a car doesn't have emotions and, and then um, you don't feel what your car feels. So um, it's not, that's like vitality. It's more than just getting by. It's, it's thriving while you do it. Mm. You know what? Uh, Vitality, some people might um, mix it up with living longer. So does it have something yeah. to do with that too, with living longer? Um, no, not really. I really, I know, I know because indeed you have products that, that market vitality indeed last yeah. living longer. Uh, but I look at me and also the confusion because we speak about vitality, especially in aging. Mm. Um, but then when you look at when they talk about aging in a vital way, it's more like, it's, it's a way like I describe it, being able to self-manage, um, being self-sustaining, self-relying um, longer. So yeah. it, is, it just has a, 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 a durational, a, a long-term thing in it, mm. because it's really important, um, but it's not focused on living longer. Mm. Alhamdulillah. You know, I wish I could, and I wish wish it for you too, that we could be able to pray and to do such the, and to do the movements without feeling pain. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. Subhanallah. And you appreciate once in a while when you go to the masjid, you see the elders sitting on the chairs, moving slowly and needing some hands getting up, and you, you appreciate your health. Yeah, well, even where you see it, but like quite recently i bruised my uh, my toe my big toe mm. i was wrestling with some brothers and i, 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 <laughs> I yeah. bruised it and i'm quite a tall guy yeah. i'm 193 centimeters or 64 so my toe is a really really small part of me yeah. um, but it really immobilized me quite significantly and especially also with the prayer going to sujood and alcohol really so this is also a wake up call that like so small, so small of a thing of your body can really apprehend your own mobility, mm. enjoyment, and uh, free will in life, basically. Yeah, subhanAllah. You know, you've been helping, coaching, and training Muslims. Have you come across that common misconceptions Muslims have about fitness? Yeah, well, I see the same thing. But I also see it basically in, in the rest of the normal society. Yeah. It, it's the black and white thinking. And, and that comes from not knowing and also from a lot of miscommunication from non-professionals that have a big audience, but also misinformed pro professionals. It's like when you, wanna, when you want to be healthy, you said you, you talked about getting healthy in the way which which is already really good of being more productive and being in service of your life and what, what you want to achieve in your life. Mm. Um, 
But when you see when people say this, I want to be more, I want to feel better, it often transforms in something that's not in service of that task or, or that goal, end goal. For example, you don't have to be a bodybuilder or work out a lot to feel good. You don't have to work out in a certain way. You can do whatever you like, just movement. And what you see is that they start off with a good intention of wanting to feel healthy. And somehow along the way and, and looking at information and being tempted with beautiful pictures of beautiful people in the magazines, mm. uh, they end up uh, striving, sometimes conscious, but also a lot of times unconscious, mm. unconsciously. They're striving from, for the health ideas that are being predicted, especially on social media. Those are often mm. the, the people who look very muscular, for women very thin. And I, for example, know that like I have pictures from my bodybuilding age. Unfortunately, I cannot share them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I looked like the guys on the magazine. And I felt horrible. I was my my cold. I got, I got sick really easily because my uh, uh, health defense was very low. You know, mm. so we start off with a good idea and we say the good things, but we our actions doesn't reflect what we should do for our goals, and mm. that can be damaging because we end up with all kinds of wrong ideals and chasing the wrong image. Yeah, you know, this is the first time I heard that six packs won't make you happy. I often hear like wealth doesn't make you happy. Once you achieve the money you're looking for, then yeah. you feel miserable. But this is the first time I heard like when you get that fit, lean body, you might not be happy because of that you were chasing the wrong thing. And, and that's, you know, the thing is also that we are bombarded with these images everywhere. They, they yeah. kind of put into our head that's the standard of being fit. You have to look certain way. So. Yeah challenging and as as a human nature i guess everyone wants to look good and that's yeah that's it's, it's it's and true um and that's what you see often what i also already mentioned before what i did what i personally did but i see with a lot of muslims mm. that we use little pieces of islam and we fit them inside our own bubble so you hear for that it's it's Allah loves beauty and the prophet and, and, and famous scholars uh, promoted uh, looking after yourself and being beautiful. But there's something different be between buying nice clothes or buying the most expensive Armani suit or mm. uh, wanting to be healthy and, and wanting to look like a fitness model. It, it, that's why it's really, that's what I, inshallah, really wanting to uh, set out with Muslim fit is trying to define and, and and discover with people themselves, with normal people, also inspired by the texts, mm. scholars, of what is the ideal that Islam promotes. And let's start promoting it. So also on, on the social media, and I'm at the moment more active on Instagram, um, but I also try to promote, if I promote somebody else, I also always try to promote somebody who keeps his shirt on, um, mm. who... I, like there, I, I should get some names out. Like uh, we have Achi Omar on on Instagram, Uma Build is from Canada. So a lot of brothers, uh, Mr. Focus One Eighty, a lot of interesting guys. Mm. Um, they're all into fitness and also a little bit on the on the bodybuilding side, but they have that that part of modesty with them. Mm. Um, and although they are like personal trainers, so they are promoting the physical improvement. It's still mm. within that limit. You know, it's mm. not going too far 
following the Islamic guidelines and mm. also not putting too much mm. worth in how they look. Yeah, well, that's an important point, inshallah. I know Ramadan is coming up, a few, few weeks left. Yeah. And I wanted to know more, like, do you watch what you eat in Ramadan? And how do you approach Ramadan? Because every time in this year, people get, uh, people get more excited and some people get even scared about Ramadan is coming and even in the fitness world. So these discussions keep coming up, like how to exercise, what to eat. And I wanted to know, are you planning, preparing Ramadan guide for the athletes? Yeah, certainly, because um, at first it depends where you're living. Um, so I'm in Holland, you're in the Scandinavian yeah. world. So it really depends on where you're living at the moment uh, and what the fasting window is. I've, I've, I wanted to publish a book this year. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that won't, I won't make it probably. I will make it, but I will I'm make sure uh, some really detailed articles uh, with enough information uh, that you can do everything yourself. So for the guys, sorry, I promised a book that won't be happening, but uh, the articles will be super going into the theory, but also with a lot of practical tips. So Inshallah. everybody will get this information, but... Where uh, can people get this information? Um, also on my social media, if you just look up uh, Muslim Fit on yeah. Facebook or on uh, Instagram, you can find me. There is a, on Facebook, there's a friends guy. So if you see a friends page, that's not me. Uh, I mean, I'm mostly, uh, I post all my content in English. Mm. And inshallah in the future, uh, this month, uh, so in uh, the end of April, my website will go online again. It was down for uh, renovations. <laughs> um, and the address is just muslimfit.com. Okay. You can see my website and all the articles will be published there. And I will have some short explanation videos, mostly on Facebook and maybe IGTV. I have to figure that out how it works. So people can find them there. Looking forward to it. Sounds exciting. Yeah, inshallah. It was a lot of work. It, yeah. uh, every year I wanted to release a big one, but writing is quite difficult for me. So do uh, do for me. If everybody that it, uh, may, may Allah make it easy for you. Can you tell us a little bit more about the content, like what we can yeah. wait yeah. for? So I've looked at a lot of uh, scientific research um, because, of course, I've been, this is my seventh Ramadan. I've coached a lot of, in the last few years, I also have a lot of clients. So mm. it's not only personal experience, but also professional working experience. But I'm also always really interested in the science because I have experience with like maybe 10, 20, 30 people uh, and a study can have, with I combined all the studies, you have a few hundred personal experiences. So it's really mm. valuable. Yeah. Um, it always has some caveats because some studies are done in Western worlds where the whole uh, lifestyle of a Muslim changes and in the Western world is different and the fa- as I was told the fasting windows differ but if you look at what comes out of the, 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 the research you basically see if you have your nutrition so the amount of protein you get in and the amount of calories you need you get that on point and your training volume isn't going down too much so the amount that you're training and how hard you train. That basically, and that's is the official st- standpoint also of the FIFA, the football, uh, football league. The official st- standpoint is that Ramadan doesn't have to impact your physical uh, capabilities during Ramadan, but also you would not have to lose 
a lot of performance or muscle mass for, for fitness individuals. But um, the thing is, it really depends on how big the fasting window is. Mm. Because it's not really important the actual time that you're not eating, but it's just the, the most important thing is how much calories and uh, protein can you get in in that feeding window. So it doesn't, for example, if you would only be able to eat one hour, and but you managed somehow to get all your nutrients in, you was to you could still keep your your gains to say it easy. Um, but so if you look at countries who have the the remaining fasting hours in the winter at the moment, or uh, the countries in the Middle East who have like a, a standard uh, window or year that's not too long, um, people don't really suffer hmm. if you eat good enough sleep good enough and train good enough. We, at the moment in the, the Western world, the Western hemisphere, we have uh, summer going on, mm. uh, long days, short feeding windows. Then we see that just not because we fast along, but just the practical thing is we have a small window. So it's, it can be challenging to get the right amount of nutrients and nutrients in, in that shorter window. Mm. It is possible, but sometimes you don't want to like I told you, there's more things that are important in life than just your physical appearance. So sometimes it's not uh, you're not able at all to get the nutrients in. So sometimes it would be possible, maybe, but then you have to fill yourself up so much that your uh, ibadah, like your time mm. prayer stuff, um, are harmed. You know the feeling if you're too full, you're burping all the time, feel lazy, tired, feel asleep during prayer. So. There is the, 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 the possible risk, so to say, uh, during Ramadan in, with long, uh, long fasting hours. Mm. Um, if those are normal, so Middle Eastern times or even smaller in, in winter, you should not worry at all. Mm. Um, in the summer, you have to take some precautions and, and, and uh, work a little bit harder to make sure that, one, you get enough food in, and secondly, do it in a way that it doesn't impair your uh, acts of prayer mm. or acts of, uh, of, of uh, worship. I know in Finland we have a really short window of prayer yeah. and fast in the summertime. So I experience personally when you eat full, when you eat your belly full, you will have a hard time the next day. Yeah. And I noticed that if you don't eat your belly full, if you your fast go much more easier. Do you have a plan of what what you do before Ramadan starts? Yeah, very good question because um, it's quite funny if you look at uh, the research again. Uh, it doesn't matter if you look at research done on, uh, for example, students or people in the professional uh, working force, uh, in sick people and in athletes. You always with most people you see the same thing um, is that you have the pre-Ramadan performance um, is at a normal level. And then um, the first week, especially, you see a huge drop in cognitive, mental, and physical performance. Uh, also in moods, so people get a little bit groggy, more uh, fastly agitated. Um, the experience, like everything, is harder, even when the, the, the performance is the same. And you see this big drop in the first week, and you sometimes see it in the second week, and then normally, and then eventually in the third and fourth week, you see it go up again and normalize. And this mm. is quite strange because you would imagine that because we sleep less, we eat less, and we pray more, 
mm. that uh, the exhausting effect of those acts of worship would get worse after you do it for longer because yeah if you sleep less for a longer period it gets worse and worse and worse but was, what researchers have found that um, our, 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 our bodies are perfectly capable of doing Ramadan fasting. Uh, the problem is, is that the sudden lifestyle change, so if you haven't prepared anything, you didn't fast before Ramadan, mm. um, you haven't changed your sleeping cycle, or you haven't decreased your food intake at around certain hours, that extreme change in the whole life situation, that's the thing that throws your body out of balance. Mm. And that's the thing that, that makes uh, the performance drop. So the way that we can prevent this is quite easy. Is just slowly, when Ramadan comes closer, um, try to before Ramadan starts get into the, the Ramadan lifestyle. So I always give the example. Um, I, I first personally, my sleep is really sensitive. So if I change my sleeping hours, I, I immediately feel it in my mood and in my energy physically. Level. Yeah, energy levels. The, I really, my body is really sensitive for it. Not everybody has that, but I always say it's easier for me to start sleeping a little bit less and waking up for fudger a little bit earlier when I still have my coffee during the day, so I'm not so cranky, <laughs> than if I just do it the first week of Ramadan because then I don't have my coffee and I have a headache and I'm tired. So mm. um, if you just, what I always say to my clients and to, to uh, Gen Pop in general, just look you struggle with the most some people really struggle with the not eating mm. some people struggle with not drinking coffee some people with the, the, the lack of sleep yeah. try to get the thing you are you have trouble with the most and start really slowly getting to a level that uh, build up like two weeks before or three weeks before the first week you sleep 30 minutes less than an hour less and then you work up till that when the first week of Ramadan com comes, you're close to what you probably are going to sleep like during the rest of Ramadan. So mm -hmm. the, the, the change isn't as big and drastic. So mm -hmm. you see less impact and uh, less negative side effects. And of course, everybody knows this. This is what the Prophet and the Sahaba are all did. And they, they did it too three to uh, four to three weeks, mm. it took six to four months to prepare for the Ramadan. So, so if you get, it's really simple, your body isn't used to it if you don't prepare. And that's the reason why we it feels so harsh. And at the end of the Ramadan, your body gets used to it. So even, even when fatigue has built up, mm. you still start getting feeling better because your body gets used to it. The best way is to start before Ramadan, reducing or taking into consideration those things that you struggle most with it. I will, I will definitely belong to the coffee group. Yeah. So I will start reducing my coffee intake. And yeah, the best way is to start fasting like and get to your body into that fasting state already. When you start Ramadan, you're good to go. Yeah. A quick uh, science fact for the coffee drinkers. It takes about three to ten days, depends how, how addicted you are to the caffeine, to uh, for your withdrawal symptoms, so the, the agitation, the headaches and stuff to go away. So I always say it depends how much coffee you drink. If you drink a little, just stop two, three days before Ramadan. If you drink a lot, start stop six, five days before it. 
Mm. Um, for people who drink coffee and are not going to drink coffee during Ramadan after iftar or something, uh, cut it out before Ramadan. So if, when you have a headache, you can still eat and drink water mm. and stuff. So it doesn't feel uh, so harsh. That's a great tip. I will I will give it a try. Like I'm heavy coffee drinkers. Everyone in Finland is. So <laughs> if you ever come down over here, so don't don't worry if people are offering you cup of coffee after another. No. Well, <laughs> also for the fact that the Dutch, the Dutch are the biggest coffee consumers in the whole world. So wow. <laughs> and especially when you work in a hospital, you you they always say. Uh, in anesthesia that um, the blood of anesthesia is black from coffee <laughs> <laughs> so I can enjoy coffee myself yeah, yeah I want to finish off by asking three personal questions and the first one is what advice you will give to your younger self um, Alhamdulillah during my life I made some mistakes um, some were stupid or mm. I could avoid them uh, some were out of lack of wisdom, but actually it, it got me to the point where I am now. Um, mm. And I'll probably with the, the, the setbacks and uh, the harsh life lessons, uh, it made me to the person who I am now. So mm. basically, if I would meet my younger self, I would just let him be and make his same mistakes again and learn mm. from them and uh, give him room to experience life. So uh, I would not change anything about my life. Mashallah. That's a good advice to younger, to the youth also, who's, uh, to everyone who's listening. Because of your, your past makes you who you are now. So alhamdulillah. Second question is, what is the one book you will recommend to the audience? Um, yeah, that's a difficult question. I've, I've basically, I've, I've liked two books, three books. Yeah, uh, on different topics. So um, there's one book that's more like a general guide for everybody who wants to know things about training and nutrition. Mm. It's uh, the, the Muscle and Strength Pyramids of uh, Dr. Eric Helms. It's a great, a great primary book for everybody who wants to know about the subject. I recently, personally, what I really liked was a book called um, Islamically Integrated Psych uh, Psychotherapy uh, from... Corey York Alcaram. It's uh, basically it's a uh, a review book of all the uh, Muslim psychologists and their approaches and their research and their scientific and, and, and Islamic backing of their therapy uh, methods. Wow! It's a really great book for everybody who's into uh, psychology and especially the Muslim side of it because they mm. talk about challenges, current philosophies and stuff. It's a really great book. And there's also another book written by a non-Muslim author, what made it really special, and it was The Leadership Skills from the Prophet Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I forgot the author. Is it Yawar Baik? No, no, I, I've read that too. read that one too. It's also really nice. But it was yeah. from, the, from a, a non-Muslim historian. And wow. I found it really interesting to see Basically, we Muslims are biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't even put it on the tables. He was the best person ever yeah. on the earth. Yeah. So um, it was really interesting to see a non-Muslim who didn't see the Prophet as a, um, a faultless man, 
yeah. what he put uh, got away from his and the explanation behind it. He also went a bit, a little bit into culture and 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 stuff. So it was a really interesting read to see it from a different perspective. Uh, I will after the recording, I'll give you the, the author, so maybe you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Mashallah. And the final question is, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? What I think is, I was, uh, we Muslims really need good influencers and key role models and just people who put in work, like real leaders. I don't, I've seen a lot of potential and, and also really great leaders around me. Uh, and my legacy would be uh, to be the person behind the real leaders in the world uh, to make them more vital and give them the tools in their life to do even better in this life. So inshallah, of course, out of humility and also out of, I, I would personally not like to have the, the, the Islamic responsibility of being a leader. So it's safer yeah. to stay behind one and giving him all the resources for his physical, mental and spiritual health to be able to uh, play out his own role as a leader. Mashallah, that's beautiful. We need, we need definitely more vital leaders. If you, yeah. yeah, subhanAllah. Shazakallah khair. I really enjoyed talking to you. I learned a lot from you. And mashallah, we will definitely be in touch and talk more about this topic that is really interesting. And yeah, vitality is something that people are not talking about. You're the only one I, I have I come up that I have come across that's talking about vitality. MashaAllah, may Allah bless it. May Allah bless your Amen. work and put barakah in it. Shazakallah khair for listening. If you liked the episode, please reach out to Martin and thank him. Show him that you appreciate it. That would be nice. And if you have a question for him, you can find Brother Martin on Instagram and Facebook at Muslim Fit. That's it for today. Signing off with Dua for your success.